tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight only on Disney+. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Bow, bow, wow, wow, bow, wow. Say it ain't so, wow, 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 your love is a heartbreaker. Bow, wow, wow, bow, wow. Say it ain't so, wow, my love is a heartbreaker. The instrumentation needs some work. Bow, wow, yeah. What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I am host numero uno, or dos, depending on order you want to label say, it. Wait in. a minute. <laughs> it wasn't, it was just the first person to introduce himself, Jimmy Wong. Jimmy Wong. How's it? I am Josh Lee Kwai. Host numero uno. <laughs> we can both be uno, right? Oh, uno. Yeah. Uh, today we are breaking down the mini pre uh, the mini commander decks, as we've deemed them. Now they're being released with every major set. So with Kaldheim, there are two. And today's episode is going to be about Elven Empire, which is their Elven tribal cool Gari. deck. Yeah. Golgari Elves. Yeah. Golgari Elves. That's right. And what we're going to be doing is giving you 10 cards to put in, 10 cards to take out for $25 or less. Yeah. This Ooh. is the same exercise we go through with all the pre-cons. It's not a full optimized list necessarily. It's for the people yeah. who grab the pre-con want to do a quick upgrade to it for relatively cheap, get it up to speed so that it can play against quote-unquote normal decks as soon as possible. But before we get into it, in order to upgrade the deck, you are going to have to own the deck. <laughs> if you don't have it, just go on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's the place to go to buy all your magic products, singles, anything at all. If you already have it, but you want more singles from Caldheim, you want booster boxes, you want collector's boosters, Ooh. you want a bundle, something like that. Card Kingdom has it all. And they got the fastest shipping in the business. You know, if it's me, Jimmy, I want to get my hands on the cards that I order as soon as possible. Because yep. when I order them, I'm excited to play them. Yep. And I don't want to wait for them. And Card Kingdom ships you the stuff the fastest. You know you're going to buy magic cards anyway. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the place to go. Yep. And of course, once you get it, if you look in front of me right now, I have a cool playmat. And oh, that playmat is actually the commander deck that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I didn't and, even know we had that. Yeah, I looked in the back, I pulled it out and went, ho oh, ho, perfect. Uh, and Ultra Pro is the number one way to get the art from the game onto your table, onto your play area, all the way down to the sleeves. You can customize everything, the color of your dice, the cool deck boxes that you have. Ultra Pro really does cover every single aspect that you're going to need when it comes to outfitting your commander decks and keeping your cards safe, especially when you buy those cool singles from Card Kingdom. Yeah, you don't want that stuff getting banged up or dinged up. Ultra Pro really does protect your stuff. It's the company that Jimmy and I trust with our own collections. And the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You know, patrons get all kinds of cool perks. Mm -hmm. They get to speak with Jimmy and I on our Discord. We're on there every single day, chatting with people, answering questions. They also get access to things like extra turns and game nights earlier than the general public. We just had both of those shows come out in back-to-back -back weeks. So patrons got a lot of value there getting to see that stuff earlier. 
brag to their friends, but but not spoil it to their friends. They didn't tell the ending because our patrons are nice people. Yeah, absolutely. And not just that. Sometimes the patrons will even point out small things. Oh, and yeah. They're being like, oh, there's a graphical thing here. And it's like, that is so awesome. You're actually helping construct the show. Yeah, many, many times patrons have noticed something that's a small mistake in the editing or something that we're able to fix. Like yeah. the life totals got off and, or something. And, mm-hmm. and then we're able to fix it before everybody else gets to see it. So they actually do help us out in the production of the show. That's a good point. Yeah, if you've ever seen Josh's timelines when it comes to this stuff, you know how complicated it can get. It's easy to for just one thing to slip out of place and, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. get off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and another perk that all patrons get is the chance to get your name shouted out on the show because we dedicate every podcast episode to a patron and this ah. episode is dedicated to... Keegan Genie. Keegan. Keegan. You rock. What a name. Keegan Genie. Yeah, I don't know if it was his real name or if it was one that they just put on and I don't know. But if that's your real last name, Keegan, oh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay. All right, let's get into this. The Elven Empire... The mini pre-con from Kaldheim. We're going to do the budget upgrade guide here. Same as always, again, 10 cards in, 10 cards out for around $25 to get this thing up to speed as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. All right, Jimmy, let's start with the new commander That's on right. the deck. This one's pretty exciting. Again, it's the one on my playmat in front of me. It's- again, before we start, yeah. reminder that these pre-cons are not the same as the commander project we get every year. So they don't have three new legendary creatures in them. They only have one new legendary creature. So... I'm assuming we're going to build around the one legendary creature that's on the front, right? <laughs> we kind of have to. And another note, typically we do these reviews and these upgrade videos before the decks actually come out. Mm. So we don't have access to, for instance, what the new cards cost uh, if they're going to have a price attached to them. So, and then, and then the cards that are reprinted will change their price as well. So that actually affects things a little bit here because when we grabbed all the statistics for the deck, the numbers are actually still changing today. So just keep that in mind. All right, let's start things off though with the commander. It is Lathril Blade of the elves not blade of selves blade of the elves (laughs) blade of the uh, elves two black and a green for a legendary creature elf noble it's a two three with menace whenever lathril deals combat damage to a player create that many one one green elf warrior creature tokens and then the second ability is tap lathril then tap 10 untapped elves you control in order to activate this ability each opponent loses 10 life and you gain 10 life Okay. Ooh, very interesting. So Lathril obviously is a elf deck. It wants you to have a bunch of elves on the battlefield. Similar effect to actually Bolas's Citadel, if you've seen the tap 10 things to make people lose life. But each opponent losing 10 life, that could be 30 life around the board. Now, you only gain 10 back, but that seems like a pretty cool win condition right there. True. You have to tap Lathril, so it's hard to do it more than once and kind of finish everybody off. Plus, if you have 10 elves in play already, like you probably could just swing with them and pump them all. Yeah. Usually token deck decks will win at about the point they have, you know, somewhere around the range of 11 or 12 creatures. Yeah. Um, but still, if you couldn't get through, like this is a way to get around the propaganda effects. And mm. that, those are cards that people run that can kind of be a big speed bump for you when you're like, I finally got my board big enough. They put something out there that doesn't let me attack them, though. Yeah. Or if they have Pramacon or something, or they goad you. Mm-hmm. So- or they just have blockers, and all your 1-1s can't get through. Um, so Because obviously, Lathril makes the 1-1s, and then if you can't find a way to pump them up, then even if you have 10, maybe you can't swing out. Maybe you have to do a combination of I like that. and all that. Yeah, yeah, I like that Lathril makes that many 1-1 uh, yeah. Elf Warrior tokens. So if you get her through and she's able to be pumped in some way, you can make 10 elves really fast. Yep, just increase her power and that amount of damage. And obviously the menace helps her sort of attack through combat. It's interesting too, because I think in most of the Golgari elf legendary creatures deal with the graveyard in some way. Yep. And this, I think, is the first like elf tribal Golgari commander that really doesn't care about your graveyard at all. 
Yeah, and uh, has another win condition on it. Now, if you look at Gerard Golgari Lichlord, that has a similar drain effect. So mm -hmm. I guess that is definitely a black-green thing. But you're right, this is creating tokens instead of some graveyard recursion. Yeah, and Gerard wants you to sack stuff to do stuff. So that is similar to playing with your graveyard, right? It wants mm -hmm. things to die. This is not an, necessarily an Elftocrats deck. I mean, yeah. obviously you're Golgari, so you're probably do, doing some of that. But I kind of like that this is you know, subtly different maybe than... It's not the exact same as another uh, Golgari Elf deck. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is there are actually a bunch of new cards this time around. We have seven new cards. Uh, that doesn't count the Commander, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes, I can count. So Commander uh, plus seven? Yeah, Commander plus seven. Eight new cards here. That's interesting because the mini precons for both Commander Legends and Zendikar Rising, they both had a new legendary creature and then only two new cards. Mm -hmm. So three new cards total in those decks. And now we're seeing eight new cards total in this deck could be um, a trend the other deck spoiler alert also has more than three cards is it eight i'm not sure of the exact number but it's definitely more so are we trending towards these quote-unquote mini precons having more and more new cards i mean at what how many new cards have to be in them before we can't call them mini precons anymore? They're just commander product. If, once they get to 20 or something, right? I would say we're already close enough that these do feel like just full-on commander precons. There's less new legendary creatures, which I think is one of the big deciding factors. Yeah. Uh, because you really don't get two other new commanders that you can build new decks around mm -hmm. inside this thing. But yeah, this is definitely like a change from what the other ones were. And I wonder if this is the direction we're going to go in. Because we could be looking yeah. at a world where we're getting the equivalent of two, four, six, ten full-on Commander Precons uh, per year then. Yeah, and then 80, 90 new cards from just those. Well, there were 71 from the Commander product last year. So mm -hmm. if you add in another 50 from the six Commander Mini Precons, you know, even if it's, that's just eight per, yeah, that's a lot more new cards. It is. Interesting. Let's talk about the new cards then. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so the first one we actually did talk about in our set review, it's Pact of the Serpent. It's one black black for a sorcery. You choose a creature type, then target player draws X cards and loses X life, where X is the number of creatures they control of the chosen type. Seems good in this deck. Seems really good in this deck, and I think we're actually going to see a theme uh, around this idea of creature type, because it's a tribal deck, so this may be why they felt more comfortable making new cards. We'll see as we go through. Pact of the Serpent, though, is definitely a very good card in this deck. I'd say it's an all-star. I also like that it doesn't say elves on it. It works in an elf deck because you get to choose, but yep. this can go in any uh, tribal deck that has black, you know, provided you're going to make enough of that tribe mm -hmm. for it to matter, but at least you could think about it. So that's yeah. pretty cool. And I could see Lathril just hitting for 10. You've got 10 elves and you cast this and it's pretty good yeah pretty yeah. yeah and you could you know you gain the life with Lathril back so you don't even care about that life loss necessarily yep uh the next card is ruthless winnower it's three black black for a creature elf rogue that's a four four at the beginning of each player's upkeep that player sacrifices a non-elf creature whoa yeah that's pretty good that is I mean, because you're going to be, you're not sacrificing anything. You're not anything. sacrificing anything. Yeah. Shades so it's of Shieldred like, here. Yeah. It's Shieldred, or it's the Abyss, but for mm -hmm. for everyone else, not yourself. Yeah. And the Abyss is already like a very good card. Yeah. This just seems like a great way to control the board. Five mana is a little bit on the high side, uh, yeah. especially because you get a Dictate of Erebos for this as well. So, sure. but it's still pretty good. I mean, it, this will do a lot of damage if left unchecked because it's each player's upkeep. Woe to the Voltron decks. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, the next new card is Serpent's Soul Jar. That's S-O-U-L. Not yeah. like Soul Ring. It's All two right. and... Oh, you haven't? Yeah, I got it here. It's okay. two and a black, so three mana for an artifact. Whenever an elf you control dies, exile it. Hmm. Seems like a downside. But then you can tap, and, tap the Soul Jar and pay two life. And until end of turn, you may cast a creature spell from among cards exiled with Serpent's Soul Jar. 
Okay, uh, this does seem interesting because it lets you rebuy your elves every time mm-hmm. they die, you sack them or whatever happens to them. Um, and if you have this out and they board wipe, all of your elves go into this like little special exile zone. And you um, can have the chance to replay them as the game goes on. Yeah, but you can only do it once per activation and you have to tap the permanent to do so. So it's once per turn sort of at its slowest, which doesn't seem that great. But it does seem like it's actually kind of cool tech regardless because there are going to be some elves in this deck that people in the org just be like, I need to kill that immediately. I just realized we should have sang a different song at the beginning of this episode. Oh, yeah? Was, was it? I got soul, but I'm, I'm not, not a soldier. soldier. Oh, snap. Just erase the lot, because I'm pretty sure we've sung that before on the show. <laughs> but we haven't sang the soldier version. Exactly. The soldier version, it's a huge hit. It was number one in Czechoslovakia last year. It was number one in Kaldheim. In Kaldheim, yeah. That's a better place for it. Um, and the next card. In ca- Skemfar. In Skemfar. It was number one in Skemfar. There's a lot of Skemfar cards, too, in here. (laughs) Speaking Uh, of which. Bounty of Skemfar, two in green for a sorcery. Reveal the X... Sorry, reveal the top six cards of your library. You may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and an elf card from among them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So So this is like cultivate... But, but instead of that second card, you get an elf card. Right. And you can't do it through your deck. But I mean, in this deck, that's probably going to have 25 plus elves. You're definitely, I mean, the, the chances of hitting this seem almost it's, 60, 70, 80%, you know? Yeah, it's a very good chance. But you technically could whiff on one of those two. You could not have a land. That you could happens. whiff on both. <laughs> yeah. It would be hard to imagine six cards that don't have a land in there where at least one of them is not an elf. Yeah. But... Yeah, once in a while, you know, like you said, I don't know the math here, but like 10% of the time or something, you're going to probably miss one of these. Yeah. Uh, but Imagine this was white. That's what I wrote as a note. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it definitely could be the kind of card that could have gone in white. I mean, obviously, green just gets to get the lands into play, and they don't like to give that to anybody else for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see this, like, Cultivate is kind of the most played card in the format. Right. Uh, th- that type of effect is just something we see all the time and just adding a, like, instead of a, another land going into your hand, you get an elf. And also, you probably get to pick between a couple of elves. Right. So, you kind of get the best elf out of your top six cards. Seems pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think this card is actually really good. Yeah. In this deck. It's interesting they didn't decide to try and say this one, say choose a creature type and then do it. So this can't go in any tribal deck. Yeah, it uh, can go in the changeling, oops, all tribal deck. Maybe. That's true. That's pretty cool. But yeah. It's a good payoff. Yep. All right, the next one is also from Skemfar. It's the Crown of Skemfar. Two green, green, four mana for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one for each elf you control and has reach. And then you can pay two and a green and return the Crown of Skemfar, this aura, from your graveyard to your hand. So it has kind of that Rancor ability where it it doesn't feel as bad because it's going to mm-hmm. come back. Obviously, this is pretty good if you can land it onto Lathril because yep. she's if she's hit once or you already played a couple elves, she, she's going to make that many elves and that will continue to pump her even more with Crown of Skemfar. So it kind of like exponentially grows on itself. Yeah, I think you don't want your commander to ever get removed though and you put the crown on anything, it's going to have a removal spell pointed at it pretty quick. Which it's, is a bummer. It's four mana. It's a lot of mana. It's yeah. risky. They remove it in response. I mean, yeah, you can get it back, but you want to pay seven mana to get this back to your hand and cast it. Like, it's a nice that you can do that in desperate situations, but in most mm-hmm. games, this thing dies. 
you're just never looking at him being this is an efficient play to play three mana put it in my hand then four mana to cast yeah, it again don't overrate the recurability part of it i'd say that much uh next up is wolverine riders this one's interesting four green green for a creature elf warrior that's a four four at the beginning of each upkeep create a one one green elf warrior creature token so each upkeep create a token thing we always know is great yeah it's very powerful and whenever another elf enters the battlefield under your control you gain life equal to its toughness so you're automatically going to gain one life at the beginning of each upkeep because it's going to trigger so it's um, gain four life and make four one ones at a minimum per rotation. Yeah, and it's I would say this is pretty darn good, especially mm-hmm. with Lathril out, because that gets you this plus the four creatures you make in one turn rotation is half of La- uh, Lathril's second ability. And then Lathril swings, and if you pump her at all, maybe makes like five tokens, and you gain like five life, and the, just the life gain on that makes yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of lords in this deck, so they're going to plus one, plus one your elves. That If you make them up uh, to three threes, you're gaining nine life, 12 life, Yeah, an elf right? lord, just one elf lord makes it eight life eight per life, rotation. Yeah. And then every time Lathril hits, you get, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. Um, the last new card is Elder Fang Venom, two black and a green for an enchantment. Attacking elves you control have death touch. Whenever an elf you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. All right, elf decrats. Yeah, I mean... Poison-tipped Archer and that kind of card already sees play in Elf yeah. decks, uh, Golgari Elf decks. So this feels like a harder-to-remove version of that, which is pretty powerful. And the de- the attacking Death Touch thing is, it's nice. I don't think it's something that if that's all that was on the card, you would probably need in an Elf deck. Mm-hmm. But it does allow you to kind of poke in a little bit easier. Oftentimes in these token decks, you've got like five or six little creatures no good attacks. You don't want to use your pump spell yet because it's not enough to kill anybody. And so you just can't really do much with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would allow you to be, okay, I'm going to swing in and get four or five damage in here and there. Some chip damage, maybe. Yeah, I think chip damage ends up being a lot, especially because this has a drain ability on it as well. Um, this is also really good with your commander because if a menace creature has death touch, you can assign lethal damage to the creatures that are blocking it and get a two for one. So it just makes it harder to block in general. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's going to make it so that lateral's more likely to get through especially yeah. for smaller chunks um you know if it's just swinging with no equipment or anything on it people are gonna be like whatever i'll let you make two elves yeah yeah i don't want to lose two creatures yeah oh definitely not yeah so yeah i like that point where it does help uh lateral get through so yeah interesting card Yep. Okay, so let's move on to the deck contents. As we just discussed, there are eight new cards, including the commander, and there are 29 basic lands, which leaves us at 63 reprints total. And keep in mind that a lot of the reprints are actually from Kaldheim itself, which at this point is a set that's been released, so I'm not counting them as new cards, but we'll talk about the list of those. Uh, There are 12 cards from Kaldheim in this deck. Oh, there's a lot. Outside of the eight new cards we just talked about right now. Okay. So we're going to talk about the deck value. And again, this is uh, the prices are taking the account the value of the reprints and not the new cards. But we will talk about the new cards because they're actually really high in value. Uh, I'm, I was surprised. And now that the prices are after the deck reveal, they're going to have dropped a little bit. So this is a little different than our prior set reviews for these mini precons. Okay, let's talk about some of the pricing. Uh, so we're going to run down the prices of the new cards. Yep. Here. So this we... is at the time of recording, which is pretty early on. Uh, my guess is these will come down as more people get their hands on these precons and sell off the cards inside. I think so too. Yeah. Um, and especially because you know this is a widely available product. It's an entry level product for people to get into the format, so they're going to print a lot. I think. Lathril, coming in over ten dollars at eleven when I first checked it. So pretty strong, powerful commander here. That's a lot because the whole deck's $20. Yeah, and the deck is based around this card. It Clearly, I think a lot of elf players and black-green elf players looked at Lathron and went, 
pretty efficient card, pretty good card for what my decks are trying to do in general. Um, Pact of the Serpent as well, that one black, black draw a bunch of cards and lose life, six bucks. That's the choose uh, the creature type as well, which I believe of all the cards, that's the most likely to sort of remain a little bit higher just because you can put it in any, any tribal deck. Yeah. The rest all say elves on them, so mm-hmm. they're only going in elf deck. Although elves are very popular, so that's not a huge downside. Yeah. So six bucks for Pact of the Serpent. Uh, I got soul, but I'm not a soul jar. Serpent <laughs> soul jar. Five, coming at $5. So if these numbers are correct... Lathral 11, Pact of the Serpent $6, Serpent Soul Jar $5. That's like already worth the price of the deck. That's the whole deck right there, yeah. Yeah, those prices can't hold because if that's true and they're selling for that amount, then people will just open the they're pre-cons gonna, and sell off those three yeah. pieces to make the profit off the rest of the cards. So those are going to low, go lower for sure. Yep, and Bounty of Skemfar, Crown of Skemfar, all around 3 buck fifty. Wolverine Riders, which I think is actually pretty powerful, is $2.60, maybe because it's 6 mana, it's a little less yep. pricey. And then Elder Fang Venom, the enchantment, is $1.70. So that, that's, I mean, right there, like these prices are going to drop down, but I think Elves are one of the most popular tribes by far. This makes sense, to me at least. And one of the things we've seen with not many precons, because they had so few new cards in the past, but traditional commander precons is that a lot of the value you get is the new cards. You get mm-hmm. a deflecting swat or a fierce guardianship or something like that. Yeah. And that's the only place to get those cards. And, you know, a year down the line, those cards can really be worth a lot because while it's widely available product, it just depends on how many of it's opened within that window before they stop printing it. Mm-hmm. So if one of these cards becomes a card that like a lot of decks want, like Pact of the Serpent or something, then all of a sudden, you know, in 2023, it can be like, holy crap, that thing's 25 bucks. Yeah. If your guardianship already is like $40 or something, right? So yeah, it's the true name nemesis effect yeah. uh, because it only, it's not available in booster packs. So we can't just keep opening them over and over again. You have to get a whole pre-con just to get that one card. So the more often they put more new cards in these pre-cons, the more likely it is that you you're going to be able to get value based on what the mm-hmm. the price of the thing is. So that's cool. Yep. Uh, and then there are 12 cards from Call Time. We're not going to go through them. Uh, which we can show them on screen. Uh, cards like Canopy Tactician, which is a card that pumps other elves. Elder Fang Ritualist. You can return elf cards from your graveyard to your hand. Poison the Cub, Return Upon the Tide. Skemfar Shadow Sage. Blah, 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 right. there's, there's a lot of cards here. Herald, King of Skemfar, is that legendary elf creature that we talked about. Um, so... And then Skemfar Elder Hall is those special two-color lands as that well. That you sacrifice for an effect, yeah. yeah. You will have the whole list, obviously. Patrons, you'll have the actual deck, uh, the actual outline, so you can see exactly what's in here from Kaldheim. We'll link the full deck list to Wizards' website, too, in the mm-hmm. show description. So if you want to check out the full deck list, you can look there. Did we include these Kaldheim cards as part of our reprint uh value that we're about to discuss or is that only they are in the reprint value but right now a lot of those cards they're not super high and none of them are like you know crazy i think if you look at them they're all they're not none of them are the mythics yeah it's not like there's not like an orvar hiding in there yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's talk about the reprints traditional reprints so the non-kaldheim stuff that they put into this deck Mm -hmm. um we usually break these down into two categories that's five dollars or more and then two dollars or more just to kind of get a look at what the reprint value is in the entirety of the, the mini precon. Mm-hmm. So the number one most expensive reprint in this deck is Reese the Exiled. Yeah, this is a card that came out quite a bit ago. Uh, it's two and a green for a 3-2. Whenever Reese attacks, you gain one life for each elf you control, and then you can pay black to sacrifice an elf to regenerate Reese the Exiled. So it's actually a really perfect fit for this deck, clearly. You, you have elves to sacrifice, and it gives you some life gain as well whenever you attacks. You can sometimes gain you a ton of life, too. 
Yeah, and that price was about $10 before the reprint was announced for the set. Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming it's going to have gone down a little bit as well. Yeah, once they announce these reprints, they say, oh, this card's getting reprinted in the pre-con, then the price, of course, drops because yep. people are like, oh, there's going to be a lot more of them, so it's the supply's higher yeah. uh, than it was. But we always do the reprint prices based upon the price before it got reprinted for one, because that's usually when we're recording these episodes. And for two, I think that's fair because that's kind of the value you would have got if they didn't reprint the card, right? Like, yeah, that's what the card was, was worth. And a lot of these do go back up over time. Um, not yeah, they'll slowly creep back up based on, you know, their popularity. And as we've seen already, because Lathril and Pact of the Serpent already are expensive cards, I think Elf Tribal has a lot of potential for future growth. Yeah. Again, one of the most popular tribes. So, yeah. Uh, the next top reprint is Elvish Promenade, which is three in the green for a tribal sorcery elf. So you could get this with anything that says find an elf card. Uh, and it's just create a 1-1 one, one green elf warrior creature token for each elf you control. So this is big time. If you have like 10 out there, you can make another 10. You can definitely spiral out of control. Yeah, I mean, this is a card if you've played against Elf Tribal very many times. You've seen it in play, and mm -hmm. it's very good. Uh, it was about $5.60 before they announced the reprint. It's fallen, obviously, since then. But this, those were the only two cards that were over $5 before mm -hmm. the, these reprints were announced. And that's just from the non-new cards as well. Yeah, not counting Kaldheim. And not counting, yeah. Just, I would call the new cards from Kaldheim Commander specifically. It's it's there's a lot of sorting to do in these. It's hard to designate stuff anymore just because there's so much stuff and it's hard to say like exactly this is called that. So right. whatever. Um, okay, so let's move on to the reprints that are two dollars and above, or between two and five dollars. Obviously, because we mm -hmm. just went through the five dollars and above stuff. There's only a few of those. Um, some of these are well known to players like Arcane Signet and Soul Ring. Yep. Arcane Signet, amazing, still around $3 or was before they announced this reprint. And I'm, I'm assuming it's going to stay around there because they've reprinted it so many times now, but it's just a card. It's the know. same as Soul Ring. It's ubiquitous almost. Yeah, it's going to go in a lot, a lot of decks. So it's hopefully they keep reprinting it in all the pre-cons like Soul Ring just to keep that price down. They absolutely have to, especially seeing that it just creeps right back up every single time they, they have a, a lull between the reprints. Mm -hmm. um, Canopy Tactician, which is that three and a green pumping other elves plus one plus one, and oh, you yeah. can tap it to add green, green, green. It's from Kaldheim. That's around three dollars as well, because um, obviously you know having a lord and a a mana jork, a one that adds three green no less, and is an elf. Um, and then Beast Whisperer, which we all love. It's drawing cards for casting spells. And then Marwyn talks like this. Oh yeah, the Beast Whisperer. It whispers. <laughs> and then Marwyn the Nurturer as well. So that's that's not too many either. So we have two cards that are $5 and over, not counting the brand new ones, and then five cards that are $2 and over. And this was actually a number that was at 11 cards originally two days ago. So we didn't list out the rest of them, but there are a bunch more that just dropped. Um, so before then, you know, you can see again the effect. Uh, we haven't been able to sort of track the effect before, but the only ones that stayed above Arcane Signet, Soul Ring, and the really valuable cards, which I think makes a, a good point about how valuable those are in general. So the total reprint value, again, this number is before the reprints were announced. We're doing this so that we have apples to apples comparison with the yeah. stats we've done in the past. Um, so the total reprint value of the deck, $73.90, about 74 bucks. Yeah. Definitely lower now since they are, when they, as soon as they release the deck list, all the value of all the reprints goes down. Mm -hmm. um, but when we did the same comparison for the Zendikar Rising precons, they were about $96 in value each. And yeah. those were, again, those prices are from before those reprints were announced too. So it's the same, it's apples to apples. Um, 
the Demir deck was about 106 bucks. The Naya deck, these are from ZNR, was about $86. So this is 74 Yep. or so. Definitely lower, although part of that is eaten up by the fact that there are more new cards. Mm-hmm. And so if you have eight new cards and the other one has three, that means there were five other reprints in these other decks than were in this deck. And that means that those five cards, if they were worth a dollar each, would be a $5 difference just based on new card stuff. If Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it okay. makes perfect sense. And then if we look to Commander Legends, which was the other time that we had these mini Commander decks, their average value was around $80, which again is a stark difference to what the Zenicar Rising precons were at 96 on average. So we've seen them go down and down, but it's hard to make, it's hard to say that these are actually worth less than yeah. the other ones because the new cards. Yeah, our apples no longer are full-on apples-to-apples yeah. comparisons. It's, it's smart like, of them to do that because it makes it harder to compare them. So it makes it harder for us <laughs> to be able to say... No, this one is just strictly less worth less than the ones in the past. This one is actually probably close to CMR for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite as high as ZNR because that number is a lot bigger. That's $23 more of value. But we saw that a lot of the new cards are cards that at the moment have some value. Just the yeah. top, you know, just the top few were like ten or twelve dollars, which kind of brings it into the range of the other one. So I would say yep. probably when this uh, the dust settles from this, this is probably going to be somewhere in between ZNR and CMR as far as total value for these mini precons. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because obviously they're very tribal focused, very elf focused. Uh, So it seems like Again, commander players are sort of being prioritized here. We want to give more new cards to commander players, especially, I wouldn't call tribal casual necessarily, but I would say it's trending more towards casual than competitive. Yeah, I mean, the mini precons are supposed to be for people entering the format, so it wouldn't make sense to give them something that wasn't sort of like new, more new player focused. And we saw that with the other precons from the other sets. You know, there was an equipment deck, there's like a mm-hmm. landfall deck, so there was a rogue deck before. Yeah, so heavily there. themed decks for yeah. sure. All right, that's the reprint value. Let's go through the <laughs> stats, 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 stats. stats. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to make it way less doodly by the by the end of that one. Okay, so we're going to talk about the statistics of the deck here. We have 12 ramp spells. Makes sense. This is a, an elf deck. You would expect a lot of ramp in here. It's actually lower than I would think for a, an elf deck. We, right. For a, for a normal commander deck, 10 ramp cards were happy, but mm-hmm. elf decks tend to have closer to 20. Yeah, card draw, there are eight sources of card draw, definitely a little bit low there, but seven sources of targeted removal, which I think is pretty interesting. Uh, Wraths, however, coming in at a solid one, which makes, I guess, some sense if your commander says have as many elves on the board as possible. Yeah, you don't want to wrath your own board when you're a token. Yeah. I still, also- I still think one wrath is very, very low. There's just so many situations where a wrath is the only way to get yourself back into a game. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes they just kill your commander the first time you play it. You never really get a foothold and you're way behind. And you're like, if I could just find a wrath, I can reset and then start to come back. So one is just too little. But seven targeted removal... Um, is pretty good, and we've I think we've seen them leaning this way, more targeted removal, less wraths, and mm-hmm. I think we've seen players leaning this way in recent years. It used to be a lot more wrath-focused and sort of closer to five target removal spells, and we've talked about this on the show, personally just moving towards a little more targeted removal ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Part- wraths, they extend the game, too, and maybe yeah. that's something that I think players kind of want to move away from. I, I wouldn't blame anyone for wanting to play more games in the same period of time. Yeah. Card draw at eight is... Pretty close to that number, that number of 10 that we like. So that's not, I don't think that's bad or anything, especially for a pre-con, which usually is well below our 10 and 10 for rampant card draw. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Um, 
obviously you want to, you're probably going to want to add a little bit of that because we want more for most decks to run smoothly, but I, I'd be happy with the starting point of eight from most pre-cons. Yeah, I think this is looking good so far. Uh, I wrote down win cons because, you know, outside of the commander, right, you need to be swinging in, it seems like, with this deck. And they have two cards in here, End Raise Forerunners and Cultivator of Blades that are doing a similar effect to a Crater Hoof Behemoth. They're the budget Crater Hoof, Beastmaster Ascension, Triumph for the Horde. Yeah, that sort of stuff. I know people got mad at us recently for, like, talking about Crater Hoof Behemoth. You should realize that when we say it, it, we're just using that as a stand-in for that class of card. And a class of card is the mass pump spell. It could be overrun. Mm -hmm. We even mentioned um, a Chroma's Will in that same category. This is just like any card that that asks, do you have a lot of creatures? Okay, we'll turn that into a win for you by pumping them all to a a large degree. Or giving them trample or whatever it is. Or infect... Yeah. With Triumph of the Hordes. Uh, there are five Elven Lords. So these are cards that mm. pump all Elves or all other Elves. Um, and then I counted 14 cards that make more Elves or care about how many Elves you have. Um, so, you know, whether or not they're a token generator or they are, uh, this is equal to the number of Elves you control at the time, power and toughness and all that stuff. So that that seems like this deck is firmly in the we want Elves all the time. We want to make them bigger with Elven Lords and then swing out or use your commander as a win con. And no surprise there. I think, you know, our stats break down in the normal commander precon of the old days because there are three legendary creatures that come in each of those decks. And different themes for each legendary creature. Yeah, too. we're always trying to be like, okay, which of these themes is the most supported? But right. in a mini precon where there's only one legendary creature on in the box at all that's like new, mm-hmm. um, we know what we're doing. This is an elf stack. Elves are, you know, it's no surprise that you know, all the data supports the fact that like, yes, you're going to lean into the elves theme, right? You better. (laughs) Uh, There's 37 lands in the deck, which is pretty good. Seems about right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this deck, the stats, I think besides wraths, which I maybe would want a couple more, seems like a really good starting off point that leaves you in a good position. I'd say when we're doing this budget upgrade, because you know, when you see the stats and it's like three card draw spells four ramp, it's like, okay, so in order to give a good budget upgrade where this is going to be able to tangle with like normal decks, I'm going to have to say boring things like put in mana rocks and card draw. <laughs> yeah, we never like doing that. So. Yeah, but I mean, that's the reality. If you don't have your bases covered on your foundation, then it doesn't matter what building you bo- build above it. It's just going to topple because you don't have the resources in your hand or mana available on the board to actually do anything. Yeah. This has that nicely covered enough that I think this is going to be a fun budget upgrade where you can actually add some cards along your main theme that, you know, that do stuff. Because I don't think anybody really plays magic to be like, my ha- I'm at my happiest when I can just create a lot of mana. Yeah. But I can't do anything with it. <laughs> you know? You, you want to do the stuff. You want to cast the dragons and stuff. Yeah, well, speaking of casting cards, we're going to be talking about that very shortly, especially with, uh, specifically with the cards we would take out and the cards we would put in. But before we do, quick message from our mid-roll sponsors. All right, we are back. We are talking about the Elven Empire, Golgari Elves mini precon from Kaldheim. This is with Lathril on the cover. And we're about to get into the fun part. We've gone over the stats of the deck, the reprint value, all the all the numbers and the data crunching. That's gone now. And we're just going to talk about cool cards that you want to put into this deck to make it stronger and better than ever. Yep, but before we begin, uh, we need to look at the curve of the deck, which is really interesting because I saw that there were 24 three drops and 21 four drops and only three one drops and four two drops. So in an elf deck? If you're looking at the curve, it goes like this. 
for those middle ones and then it you know tops off as well yeah and elf decks are known for having a lot of one and two drops having a a lot of plays early in the game and so i think that's definitely a big consideration uh and some of our decisions for the cards that you want to add in are going to be based on that yeah so we're looking to sort of make the deck more efficient yep okay so cards to add remember our total budget is around 25 dollars for this exercise Uh, i don't like the current win cons in there um cultivator of blades and and raise forerunners cultivator of blades requires you to attack and you also need to put the token the counters on it uh and then emrace forerunners is just a very expensive card to cast so i thought we could include some more powerful ones and azuri renegade leader Mm. it's around four dollars fifty cents is this is basically that overrun effect you can pay two green 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 and then elf creatures you control get plus three plus three and gain trample until end of turn so i think this is just a better win condition for your deck yeah, and at $4.50, it's not prohibitively expensive. Mm-hmm. Azuri gives that trample. You want your pump effect usually to have trample on it so that... Because, you know, once you've got like 12 to 15 elves, swinging in with all of them is great. But if everybody has a few blockers, you might get in a situation where like, oh, I can only really take out one player, which is mm-hmm. not what you want. Trample really goes through all that. Plus... You can activate Azuri multiple times. Yeah, and you can also activate Azuri to regenerate another target elf. So it actually serves as protection as well. And protects, yeah, protects your Lathral or whatever. Mm-hmm. Especially if you get something like Elderfang Venom out. Now they oh, yeah. really can't block Lathral. Plus it can then pump Lathral so she hits for more, makes more elves. Just seems like a great synergy in the deck. No surprise. I mean, Azuri no is yeah, yeah. a great elf deck all classic, by itself. Classic, <laughs> classic elf win con. I like that one a lot, though, because it is a cheap crater hoof. Yes, uh, the, and you know, you're know you in an elf deck, so why not use elf cards? Yep. Uh, next up is Elvish Champion for a win con. It's one green green for a creature elf 2-2. Two, two. Other elf creatures get plus one, plus one, and have forest walk. Uh-huh. So they can't be blocked as long as defending player controls a forest. So this is, again, just a cheaper creature version of that. And with the other lords in the deck, I think you're going to reliably get them to be plus you know, three threes or even four fours. And then you just get to take out a, a player with forests, which probably is going to be pretty high to, at any given table. Yeah. And I'd say most of the time, the player you want to take out at any given moment is going to be one of the green players. Yeah, totally. Because green is a good color, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the next category I just called more early plays. So I wanted to add in one and two drops um, because, you know, you want to always be doing stuff, especially when they have a lot of synergy. And these are elf decks. Elf decks love cheap cards that do great things. Wirewood Symbiote, oh, yeah. green for a 1-1. One, one. It's an insect, but it says return an elf you control to its owner's hand to untap target creature and activate this ability only once each turn. So there are a lot of cards that care about elves entering the battlefield. There are enter the battlefield effects. And this also protects cards that you have because you can do it at instant speed and you can untap a mana dork as well and tap them again for more mana. So just tons of synergies there. Yeah, Wirewood Symbiote is one of those cards that you just find in the moment cool synergies of like, oh, I oh, have right. been, yeah, I have, uh, you know, an Elvish Visionary or something play. Now I can draw extra cards or, yeah, hmm. I can untap a Mana Dork and do the thing or other tap effects or, oh, I can protect this thing. They go to remove it and I bounce it back to my hand. So yeah. just a very uh, flexible card. I like it a lot. And with so many untapping abilities, uh, abilities in the deck that want to get untapped to, you're going to just use it a lot. Yep. Um, next is a new card from Kaldheim. It's Skemfar Avenger. I'm surprised this wasn't in the deck. It's one in the black for a 3-1 Elf Berserker. Whenever another non-token elf or berserker you control dies, you draw a card and you lose one life. Seems awesome. Yeah. Now, obviously, non-token doesn't work great with your commander, but you got a lot of elves in this deck, and you know they're going to be dying left and right, and you can draw a bunch of cards. Pretty good. I want to go back to the Wirewood Symbiote because I just realized a synergy. Oh yeah, with Lathral, right? You yeah, attack you could... with Lathral, make the things 
untap Lathril, Use now activate Lathril. the 10. Yeah, because it's very hard to make the tokens with Lathril and then activate that tap uh, 10 elves or whatever thing, right? Yeah, that's a good point. But Symbiote's untap is very good there. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Symbiote's such a good card. Yeah. Also, Skimpar Avenger's about. good. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> no, Symbiote's, uh, I'd say, arguably better. Skimpar Avenger's over there going, hey, hey, he was talking about me. Yeah, he's they're they're very berserk. They're very <laughs> angry. Uh, the next early play card is the Birchlore Rangers. It's a green one-one elf druid, and you can tap two untapped elves you control. Add one mana of any color, and you can morph it for green, so you can actually just pay three mana and turn it upside down into two-two, and at any time untap it or unflip flip it over. But I don't think you're going to be doing that. There's no real reason to it. Yeah, Lathrol's tokens can't tap for mana, so now you have an ability to tap two elves. Uh, including the Birchlore Rangers itself. So just to get one mana, you can use itself and another elf to tap. So that's actually pretty handy. Yeah, nice. And it works well with Wirewood Symbiote if you need them to untap. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Wirewood Symbiote, even better. Well, Josh, you said you wanted more board wipes. I got you, brother. We have some Elvish board wipes slash protection. Um, Elvish Dreadlord, it's three black black for a zombie elf with three, a 3-3 three, three death touch. When it dies, non-elf creatures get minus three, minus three until end of turn. It's nice because it's one-sided. Yep, one side board wipe, and similar to what they already have in there. Uh, and then Encore, oh, sorry, it's similar to that one card that makes everyone sacrifice a non-elf creature. I was like, that's a good way of going about it. Yep. And then you can Encore it out for five black blacks. So you exile the card from your graveyard, you make for each opponent a token copy. And so when oh, all three of those nine, die, then, yeah, then you get negative nine, negative nine to everything. So that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Um, and then the protection side of this uh, category is Golgari Charm, which is black green for an instant. You can give all creatures minus one, minus one until end of turn. You don't want to do that. But you can also destroy target enchantment or regenerate each creature you control. So if you don't have a board wipe and someone else does, at least this protects your board and does a similar thing to the non-elf board wipe. Right. And it's useful as the destroy uh, target artifact. So... Yeah. That's a, a enchantment. Yeah. Enchantment, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's a mode that you can use it for, which I like having the duality because you don't always need something to protect your board. Right. But when you do, it's really great. Yeah. And maybe you'll use the minus one, minus one sometime. I don't know. Probably not, though. Probably not. Um, next up, we actually have a tutor. Typically, we don't include tutors on these lists because they cost a lot, but this one happens to be a little bit less. It's Elvish Harbinger. Two and a green for a 1 2 Elf Druid. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an Elf card, reveal it, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. And this also taps to add one mana of any color. Yeah, the Elvish Harbinger, every time I see it, I'm like, wait, it does. It also is a mana dork? That doesn't seem fair. Yeah, like, right? it already tutored for a card. Usually, if a card does that, it's already good. Mm-hmm. By the way, talking of a card that's good with Wirewood Symbiote. Right. Because you just bounce back to your hand, replay it, tutor again. Yep. Uh, yeah, this is just a great, great card. Find your best elf, and then it's a mana dork that's helping you cast the best elf that you just found. Yeah. Which is usually Azuri, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's Azuri, or it's, you know, the Dreadlord, maybe, if you want to do a board wipe. There's a lot of different things you can grab with this. Um, and then finally, you know, you get all these tokens in this deck, but I don't think you need to try and swing out with it every single time. I think you have to use them because the, the worst feeling is having a bunch of tokens and not being able to do anything or someone keeps removing your lateral and you're like, crap, right, well, that's just going to lose me the game because I can't cast my win con or find it. So I wanted to find some good sack outlets. Um, there are two that are sort of interchangeable based on how you want to play. One is Mind Slash and the other is Vampiric Rites. Mm-hmm. So Mind Slash is one black black and you can pay black to sack a creature and target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a card from it, that player discards that card and you can do that sorcery speed only. So if you don't want to be that person, you can play Vampiric Rites instead, which is a black enchantment for a black mana for one of the black sacrifice creature, you gain a life draw card. So, so you can either be like sack and somebody discards or sack and I draw be- 
yeah between the two yeah it's like yin and yang you yeah know? <laughs> they're both like 25 cents each so yeah, yeah you could yeah. also do both you could definitely do both and i encourage people to right you know like i didn't put Beastmaster ascension and stuff on this list but you could put that in there too and find something else to take out right we're just doing the 10 cards for the budget that we're recommending yep and then the last sack outlet is perilous forays a card that craig introduced me to forays forays Four rays. Four rays. Four bears. Three green green enchantment. You can pay one to sack a creature, search your library for a land card with a basic land type and put it onto the battlefield tapped and then you shuffle your library. Yeah, so you turn your tokens into lands on the battlefield, which is ramp and we all know that's pretty good. Yep. I like the sack outlets thing as a way to sort of make it so the deck can cash in the tokens for other resources. So cards, discarding, ramp. That's good because like, like you said, you're not always in a position where you can turn those tokens into victory or Mm -hmm. even attacks against your opponent. So having the flexibility of like, okay, well, I'm not in a position right now to attack or kill anybody or really do much. So let's just turn these tokens into other resources that I can then use to get ahead till I can, you know, do that alpha strike. Yep. Okay. All right, let's talk about, so yeah. Okay. We're done with the 10 cards that we're going to add. I think so. I technically said 11. So Uh, cheater. I usually do like 15 because I do slash this, slash that. Slash I know, right? There's so many options. All the time. Yeah, yeah One of these seven <laughs> cards or all of them. Okay. Or all of them. Yeah, yeah, go nuts. That's how we cheat. Um, all right. So let's talk about the 10 cards that we think you need to take out of the deck in order to make room for these 10 we just talked about. Adding. Yeah. So the first up is Elvish Rejuvenator. Uh, you may not have the card in front of you, Josh, but I bet you know what it does. It's the two and a green Elf Druid that when it enters the battlefield, you look at the top five cards, you put a land from among them on the battlefield tapped, and then the rest on your bottom of your library in your random order. It's three mana for that effect, and you can win. Yeah, you can definitely whiff. It's also just a 1-1. One, one. It is an elf, but I think if you like, were in the position where you're like, I'm going to Wirewood Symbiote and cast this again, you actually have better things to do. Um, and you're going to have a lot of different ways to ramp as well, especially now that we're adding like a Perilous Forays in there, which you can use like in one turn to get six lands or whatever. Yeah, three CMC is too much for that. Yeah. I've never liked it. I Blight Colors is next. It's four and a black for a 3-3 three, three Elf Warrior. When it dies, you create three 1-1 one, one green Elf Warrior creature tokens, and then you mill three cards. It's a five-mana card. I don't love the effect for what it gets, and there's not much mill synergy, so I don't think that actually is great for your deck either in this in this case. Just too low impact. Yeah. Cultivator of Blades, we talked about this earlier. It's a five mana card that requires it to attack, and then you're able to get plus X, plus X until end of turn, and it's where X is the Cultivator of Blades power. And, but if, you do, if to do that, to not be a 1-1, you have to fabricate two and put the 1-1 counters on the Cultivator. It's way too telegraphable. You see it from a mile away, and you have to wait to attack with it until your next turn, so no thanks. Yeah, you think of the Azuris of the world, the overrun effects of the world, even Enray's Forerunners. Mm-hmm. At the very least, like when those things come down, they can do their thing now. Yeah. Whereas Cultivator Blades is like, comes down and says, I'm going to do that next hey, turn. Table. I'm going to do that next turn. And I got to cultivate first. Yeah. And so if, if something that's going to be really bad, they're going to have a lot of time to find an answer. Yeah. Whereas the other cards like Azuri are just like, play it, activate it. Everything gets the thing. It really doesn't even matter if you have removal because I'm going to be at least activate it. Correct. And so, yeah, I just don't like a thing that they can just stop it before you even get to do anything with it. Yeah, there's like 10 different moments when they can get rid of it and you just feel really bad. Yeah. Um, and then there's a card. I you know I, I did say I wanted to add more one and two drops, but this is just the weakest one drop in the deck. It's Jespera Sentinel. It's a new card from Kaldheim. It's a common. It's a green mana for a one two with reach, and you can tap it and then tap an untapped creature you control to add one mana of any color. Hmm. You can only do it once because you got to tap it. Yeah, you have to oh, tap so it's it. not as good as the one we added, which at least if you had six creatures, you could get uh, three mana out of it, right? What was the card we added? 
Um, it's Birch Lore Ranger. Right. Is tap I threw on the paper, so I couldn't bring it. <laughs> I know, me too. I, I Birch Lore Ranger, yeah. Yeah, uh, Birch Lord Ranger. Um, and then the next is Mass Admirers. This is two green green for a 3-2 when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. And then it also has this effect whenever you cast a creature spell, you may pay green green if you do return this from your graveyard to your hand. So six mana to draw a card if you want to rebuy it, and you've cast a creature on top, so you're using that mana, and you have to add on top of that. Just not great. You just if you want to lower the curve, you're gonna to have to add low end stuff, low CMC stuff, and take out high CMC stuff. And so yeah. it's just picking the worst of sort of the fives. And the four is yeah, the, exactly. yeah, whatever else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next is a five. It's Turgrid Shadow, a new card from Kaldheim. It's an instant for three black black, and each player sacks two creatures. You can also foretell it, and the casting cost for that is two black black. Just doesn't seem great. Yeah. Um, even though it's a double edict, you're gonna get the worst two creatures on people's boards. Also costs five mana. This next card might be a little controversial. I've just never seen it go off. Harvest Season, two and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to X basic land cards where X is the number of tapped creatures you control and put those cards on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. I know everyone's like, but your commander taps 10 at a time. I don't actually think you're gonna consistently have 10 creatures to do it with your commander. I just think that this deck, once it starts ramping up, people are going to try and get rid of you, and you just have other ways to ramp without needing to play Harvest Season to get a bunch of lands. I think you're going to be fine without it. I just like how in Jimmy World, everybody sounds like Deckard Kane from Diablo. <laughs> stay a while. And stay a while. I just don't think you're going to have a lot of tapped creatures. <laughs> um, and if you do, yeah. I mean, also, when the you thing do about, this, everyone's going to look at you and be like, uh, <laughs> kill that person. I mean, here's the thing about Harvest Season. It's really only in decks that have reliable ways to tap all their creatures. So a lot of vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Because, yes, your commander can tap your creatures, but it can only do it in increments of 10. So when you have six creatures you can't actually easily get them all tapped without attacking with them. And that's right. also a point where like, well, if you're attacking with all of them, you're either pumping them or they're probably dying because they're small, right? They're going to get blocked. Yeah. So it's hard. It's actually hard to get all your creatures tapped unless your deck has a bunch of ways to do it. And this deck only has a couple ways to do it. We added one, but you just ha- don't have a guarantee you're going to have a way to tap your creatures. So in decks like that, I agree. I've had Harvest Season in my hand and been like, do I really want to cast this with one tap creature out? I don't, but I don't can't really figure out a good way to get three of them or more tapped, so it's just not that great. So in the decks that have a lot of enablers for it, it is very good, and I've see it, seen it be good. This is just maybe not yeah. that deck. Yeah. And hey, if you think I'm wrong, play it and let me know if you are consistently generating it. You know, we haven't been able to goldfish these decks, so I can't. I'm just sort of conjecturing it here. Um, next up is another three drop. It's Timber Watch Elf. Two green, two and a green for a one, two. And it, you can tap it to give target creature plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of elves on the battlefield. Again, with a combat trick like this, it's like, oh, it goes great with Lathril. It goes great with Lathril. But when you swing with Lathril and Timber Watch Elf is on the board, people are going to find a way to get rid of it, chump block it, whatever, because they know, oh, you're going to give it plus six, plus six, and make that many tokens. We can't let that happen. Right. So I just think it's not as, you know, it's a little too telegraphable. And this deck, I think, really doesn't want to telegraph what it's doing because you are just really prone to losing once people understand your game plan and can see it playing out in front of you. Yeah, it would almost be better to just have, like, some kind of instant speed trick in your hand. Yeah, exactly. That's going to pump it by plus four, plus four. Just, yeah, you are going to get four tokens because they're way less likely to block if you're just, like, attack with my two, three and don't have anything on there, like a, a... trick on the board they can see yeah yeah uh the next is voice of many one of the card draw outlets here two green green for a three three when it enters the battlefield draw a card for each opponent who controls fewer creatures than you 
So it's going to be basically harmonized if everything goes well. Yeah, why would they put that in this deck? This I is the know. deck that's the whole game plan is to have more creatures than everybody else. Yeah, and you will. So you'll draw, yeah, everyone, for each opponent who controls fewer creatures than you. So you'll probably draw three. Three, but why not just play a card that's guaranteed to do that? Yeah. You're black, you're in green. You can find a bunch of cards that are just like four mana draw threes. Draw threes, yeah, exactly. Like there's <laughs> literally like five or six cards in those colors that will just straight up do that with no conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then the last card I thought we should take out is Twin Blade Assassins, three black and a green for a 5-4. At the beginning of your end step, if a creature died this turn, draw a card. So it's only on your turn. Uh, there are other cards in there that are going to draw you more cards. Now, I know I'm taking some card draw out. Maybe that's something that I should have added in the cards in, but... You got Vampiric Rites. Yeah, five mana here is just not super hot. All right, so to take out, just to reiterate here, Elvish Rejuvenator, I Blight Colors, Cultivator of Blades, Jaspera Sentinel, Masked Admirers. Turgrid Shadow, Harvest Season, Timberwatch Elf, Voice of Many, Twinblade Assassins. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. I think this deck is actually pretty sweet. Were you under budget here? Yeah, just by a little bit. Yeah. I felt like I could have pushed it closer, but if I have the choice to get $20 instead of $25, i am actually going to go towards the $20 route because, you know, Unless I think... the, Yeah, I always run into that where it's like, okay, I'm, at, I'm near the end and I've got $17 worth of cards. And this is a... I have a good $2 card to add, which would bring us to 19 but I have $8 I could spend. Should oh, I no. just put in an $8 yeah. card? Yeah. It's always a tug and pull. Sometimes tug I, and pull. Sometimes I decide one, sometimes the other. It really just depends on what kind of coffee I had that morning. <laughs> Well, the nice thing is that this is just a guideline. It's a baseline for you to start from. You're definitely free to, to disagree with us on anything. And please try it out yourselves. This is just, again, it's like a, it's a fun thought experiment. I think it's actually a good way to hone your deck building skills because you have to get rid of 10 cards. There's so many times when we've done this where I've been like, I don't know what to take out. Right. And you have to make some tough choices. I liked your having a philosophy to begin with. The, the thing you noticed was the curve of the deck being skewed, yeah. not the curve that you would like to see for an elf deck. And that gives you a good you know, focal point when you're thinking of all your choices. Okay, so I know that my philosophy right. here is like I'm trying to lower the curve. And that helps you when you're coming up with how to improve the deck mm-hmm. in ways where you're like, okay, well, I don't know what to cut. I know it's probably a high CMC card because of my earlier philosophy that I came up with. So it yeah, kind of helps yeah. you make those decisions. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. All right, to the listeners, what do you think of this Elvish Empire Golgari Elf deck? Are there any cards that you think are must-includes that would fit within our budget range that we did not talk about? Let us know in the comments. Yeah, and of course, you might want to pick up some of the cards we mentioned today because you are like, wow, that only costs that much? I want that card right now for my current Elf deck. Why don't you head on over to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. Just type that into your browser, hit enter, and you're on the exact same website. The buying experience is primo. It's the exact same as just going there. And by typing in that extra word commandzone at the end, you're actually helping us on the podcast. Card Kingdom will get you your cards quickly. They're going to deliver in high quality. If you're uh, if you're domestic, you can get any of the uh, sealed product as well. And you're definitely going to want to pick up this deck. I think there's a lot of value here. And I personally kind of love building around the lateral type card. Yeah, seems like a really fun deck. Uh, you can also get the other pre-con deck from mm-hmm. uh, Caldheim. You can get Caldheim booster boxes, draft boosters, set boosters, collector boosters, Electric all the different boosters. boosters. Yeah. You can get all of them. CardKingdom.com slash command zone. You can get the singles from Caldheim or from other sets. Card Kingdom really does have a huge inventory. Anything you need, they're going to have it. CardKingdom.com slash command zone. zone. Yeah, also once you get those cards, you want to protect them. You don't want them to get banged up in any way. You want to make sure that you know everything's staying safe and in mint condition. Mm-hmm. Ultra Pro make the best products to protect all of your game pieces. 
Ultra Pro um, Pro Gloss Eclipse Sleeves. Those are the, the new sickness. Yeah, I'm actually starting to switch my old Eclipse Sleeves into the new Pro Gloss Eclipse Sleeves because at first I thought, okay, I'll leave the ones that were in the old Eclipse Sleeves. Yeah, just I'll the just new do decks. the new ones. But then I noticed I was like leaning towards just playing the new deck for that reason. I'd be like choosing between decks and oh, I'd open funny. it up and I'd look at it and be like, nah, I don't like it. Oh, I'm going to play this deck. <laughs> and, then and it was like this thing in my brain where I was like, oh, the, the cards just look cleaner and clearer in the Pro Gloss. I might be a crazy person, but I like the matte look. Something about that makes me feel, I don't know. I, I, something about it I just enjoy. I've always enjoyed matte surfaces on anything, my mm -hmm. phone, whatever it is. So maybe I'm just weird, but I, I know there's some other matte enthusiasts out there. I mean, that's the great thing about Ultra Pro though. It, whatever your style is and whatever talks to you, whatever calls to you, yeah. they have something for you. So whether you choose the Pro Gloss or the Matte Finish on the Eclipse Sleeves, they're both Eclipse Sleeves. They're going to protect your cards. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important thing. So Ultra Pro product, really the way to go. The ones that Jimmy and I trust with our own collections. And you can get this cool Lathrop Playmat right now too. Or these sweet wall scrolls from Kaldheim. And man, the art for Sagas. I'm so glad that what? we have Sagas. What is my card? I don't it even must know be it some sort of Lotus. I think it's from M21. It's not Jeweled M20? Lotus. I don't know. There's They've been making Lotus. They just put Lotus on the card, and then we start getting excited these days, the, <laughs> the name. <laughs> okay, no end step on these special episodes because Josh and I are probably too busy to even think about something on the end step these days. <laughs> well, wait, I have one. What? We can talk about it. Oh, my goodness. Okay, oh, definitely. We're Everyone doing will have today. watched it. Oh, okay. But WandaVision, how are you watching it? Oh, I have watched it, yes. I got to say, like, the first couple episodes... I thought they were fine, but I was like, what are we doing? Is this it? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what are we doing? I mean, I know, obviously there's some stuff going on, but it wasn't like this deep lost mystery that I like mm -hmm. felt myself like, oh, I need to know the answer to this question. The first was episode like, was literally a 60s sitcom. It was yeah. just purely that with almost no like, if things were felt like, oh, I get it. The filmmakers are having fun playing around with a genre that mm -hmm. like they grew up watching or whatever. But I, I wasn't like, wow, this show's awesome. I was like, okay. Yeah. But episode four, I was like, Oh, okay. Yep. I can't wait till episode five comes out. So if you were like me and <laughs> you watched WandaVision the first couple of episodes and maybe fell off because I was close to being like, ah, forget it. Um, stick around. I, I, It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, especially... It's good anyway. Yeah, I think so too. It, it's opening it up. There's a lot more questions now and... I think also, like, for me, you know, if you watch the first couple episodes, it starts, and you've seen, you've seen the trailer, you know this, it starts in black and white and it starts to gain color. So, yeah. me too, I was just like, ah, this is more fun to watch because I like color TV. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's not like a pretentious student film. Yeah. It, it, it does start to, like, and also, they did start to tie it into the overall storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of, you have those moments where you're like, oh, which mm. I was like, okay. And some fan favorite returning characters, too, one of which is one of my favorite uh, comedic actors out there right now. Yeah. Oh, I actually know a guy who's friends with him. Maybe I, maybe we can find out if he plays magic. Probably not. Um, okay. <laughs> well, so. that's it. WandaVision. I love it. I'm talking about like the biggest Marvel show. Like people wouldn't have heard yeah. of it. Yeah. But it's, the end step is not about something obscure. It's just about something we think is cool. Outside the world of magic. Yeah. Although there's a lot of magic in that show. Different kind of magic. Yeah. Red magic though. Yeah. And you'd like this, yeah. this thing that Wanda does. Okay. Yeah. All right, cleanup set. Our editing, graphics, and logistics team here at the Command Zone House. May we have Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Alfred Destaka, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcraft, and Sam Warrow. A lot of praise for Sam recently on that last, on the animations. Arcane oh, yeah. Signet. Every time Game Nights comes oh, out, there's a lot goodness. of praise for Sam. But that yeah. treasure map. 
he built the whole thing in 3D. So he's like, oh, well, now we can do whatever. Flip it around, twirl it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They built the whole thing in 3D. It took that, a little while, but I was like, wow, we can do that? That treasure map was something else. Thought okay. Vessel. I really like Thought Vessel a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a Rubik's Cube. I liked Arcane Signet in the bunch, too. I liked all of them. Good I liked job. all of them. So good job. And good I liked team. the Everyone entire episode. It. So yeah, major props to uh, Jake, Murph, Manson, Sam, Patrick, you know, a lot of overtime hours always in the last few days for game nights to get out. I mean, people were here until like midnight, 1 a.m. the couple nights before just trying to make sure that Grind. there are no details missed. You know, it's amazing yeah. how like at the end there, as the episode's about to come out, you just like you find little teeny mistake after little teeny mistake. You're like, oh, crap, that thing should be a 3-2. Oh, no, that's we just missed these teeny little things. So mm-hmm. we, yeah. So it's an hour of footage. Just go in Josh's timeline and see the tweets he makes that that takes a picture of the timelines that everyone's working on it's it's a headache yeah they're crazy timelines so good job to our team our entire team is awesome uh, and special thanks to jeffrey palmer who does the living card animations that begin uh our podcast and also does a lot of the did do the one behind me the windows nice. that sit behind us here on set you can so find cool. jeffrey at living cards mtg on twitter i gotta get me can this thing move maybe next time jeffrey <laughs> we just need to put a green one there Oh, yeah. Then we can put whatever we want on it. Our editors are going to start just walking out the door at that point. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you for the next deck tech, which is called Phantom Premonition. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>